Hey everybody, welcome to another Monday Motivation episode. I am Robbie Rapole from formerly I'm Rad Movement, now Truly Rad Movement, and uh, Spike TV's Ink Master, well, formerly Spike TV, now Paramount. And I am here today with this amazing, wonderful man. Uh, he is an entrepreneur inside the tattoo industry and out. Uh, he's an inspiration to many. Uh, I've watched him help his employees, friends, and all grow with him in his companies, in their lives, as well as in business. Uh, this man is a phenomenal friend, a phenomenal mentor, even from a distance, and uh, he's just a really cool cat to know and a fun guy to talk to. This is the illustrious Chris Collins. Sir, how the fuck are you doing today? I'm good. Wow, what an intro. I've never been called illustrious. <laughs> I'm not even sure if I fully have the correct definition of illustrious. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I have the direct definition either. I just know what it feels oh, well like. Well known, respected, and admired for past achievements. There you that's go. That's actually pretty accurate. That's, that's I think that might have been the direction you were going with that. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. I just don't exactly know all the words. I just know how to use them sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm really excited to see you get this running. Um, I know you've been excited about it for a long time, and uh, I'm uh, just happy to be a part of it. Hell yeah, man. Well, thank you for being a part of it. Uh, you, as, as per the introduction, you've been an inspiration of mine for years and definitely watching you start your podcast years after I started talking about making a podcast and execute it in such a short period of time, I was like, all right, once again, inspiration again from this guy. <laughs> so I appreciate you just doing, man, because you doing really, uh, whether you realize it or not, it helps other people do. Awesome. And so, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to just get right into this topic we just discussed a minute ago before we started recording. Uh, part of what made me start this, you, you and I had this conversation in Minneapolis at the beginning of the year, and I was, I was going through my emotions, and I was feeling sorry for myself because I was, you know, freshly getting divorced, and, you know, you've always fed it to me straight, and that's... That can be annoying and painful at times, but it's always well appreciated. And we were talking, we were talking about, you know, my motivational stuff, and you were like, man, you're an addict to this motivational stuff. And I was like, what? Because, you know, I'm sitting there giving you all these excuses as to why my podcast hasn't started, and, you know, and I'm technologically ridiculous, um, but, you know, I'm working on it. And uh, you're like, yeah, man, you're an addict. You, you just consume, 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 but you're not really pulling the trigger. And, dude, it pissed me off. It hurt my feelings. It made me sad. But, really, once I got through those stupid emotions that I was having, uh, I realized that it got to my core and made me realize I wasn't I wasn't living up to my potential. I wasn't being the full uh, level of myself I could be. And you weren't even being accusatory. So I just want to thank you for that publicly and let the people know that's listening, if you have someone like that in your life that will give it to you straight, don't get mad at them, and if you do get mad at them, grow the fuck up, deal with your emotions, and see why you got mad. Learn from it. Don't try to get revenge. But, um... Right. Um, and that's cool, man, and I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you came around from the information and, and took it that way, because the way I had intended to deliver it was, was slightly different than that, which is, you know, pretty common, like, uh, very 
seldom in life does what you try to deliver get perceived in exactly the way you send it. So what I was doing was you were you were kind of running around and you were telling me all of this great stuff that you were going to do, going to do, going to do. Mm-hmm. And I know you've been wanting to do that stuff for a while. So what I was bringing up, not so much as a direct accusation to you, I was bringing up something that I experienced myself uh, after I had gotten um, sober and, you know, gone through different stages in my life when I would have, you know, my highs and lows like we all do, which was that uh, sometimes we become addicted to the idea that we are going to do more. We're, we we look at all of our options and they, they sound really great. Um, they, you get a lot of positive feedback from people when you tell them things. You're like, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to, you know, stop, you know, chop my fingers off for YouTube videos. And everybody hears that and they're like, that's great. You should do those things or, or stop doing those things. And that becomes a plateau for some people. That's all they need. They just need to hear it yeah. because they're sending out a bunch of good ideas, a bunch of like start gates, but they just don't do anything with it. All of us are, are guilty of that, or at least I know I am. Um, one of my one of my greatest faults is not executing um, necessarily the ideas that I have in my life in, in the correct order. So I've done yeah. a lot of things, right? Like You're I, not I, the I, only I, one. That's that's so great to hear. All right, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt, but go ahead. No, no, no. What did you say? <laughs> I said, you're not the only one that's so... Like, I'm not the only one that's so good to hear. Like, No, absolutely. Like, there's like, things that I'll yeah. put on the back burner for five years, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it was simmering. It wasn't ready to cook yet. Correct. And I mean, a lot of times, you know, we, we people will pass that off as, um, oh, when it's ready, it'll be ready. That's not necessarily true. If you don't actually start executing, it's never going to be ready. So the whole, like, it will happen in its own time is sort of correct, but mostly an excuse for procrastination. Right. Like, that, that becomes, like, this whole idea that, like, oh, man, one day I'll be ready for this. No, you can do something the moment you're ready to do it. Um, otherwise, it's just a lot of, it's just a lot of space rented in your head. I, um, some of the things I was able to do once I did get sober, I just celebrated 19 years of sobriety. And once wow, I congratulations. that, thank you. Once I had gotten that first step out of the way, I started, you know, with my goals, which was like, uh, very small things from like, you know, get off probation, uh, get a car, get an apartment, do this, do that. And I'd gone to a rehabilitation center that kind of helped you, um, uh, monitor and check in while you were establishing those goals. So from those small goals uh, and getting one after the other knocked off, I started setting greater goals, which is a huge um, necessity if you're going to try and get sober and try and turn your life around, or you're going to try and just start accomplishing goals. This doesn't have to do with sobriety. Just anytime you're setting goals. Not setting short-term, longer-term, and then longer-term goals will mess you up. Because people set the final goal too often. They're like, I'm going to go to the moon, and that's it. But they don't set the stuff in motion. They don't, I'm not going to, you know, they don't talk about studying. They don't talk about, you know, becoming an astronaut. They don't talk about the physical fitness. They don't talk about all the elements to it. They just talk of the final goal and result. And that becomes unattainable because they're not doing the interim steps. So that becomes super important along the path. So, you know, from the just getting off probation and just getting a job to getting the, you know, piercing license back to opening my shop, Fat Cats, 
in uh, in Florida that I owned for 10 years to then having a tattoo convention with Danny Knight, the Tried and True Tattoo Expo, uh, starting a, an aftercare oil product for a while. Um, I had a body jewelry company out of Bali. I was partners in that with my friend Hillary Wilson of Intrepid Jewelry. Um, to then, you know, going into uh, opening Steadfast Brand um, clothing with Aurora and Sara to uh, finally merging that with Inked Magazine and, and the goals we have in there and now with IsMyGirl.com and now my, my podcast, which is the other side of the tattoo, um, and that's TossIt.com, T-O-S-O-T-T.com. Those goals and those achievements only come from taking the steps along that path, like each step that you need to do. So when I was talking to you in that conversation, I was hearing somebody who, much like myself, had an idea, you know, you wanted to do this podcast, you wanted to get this message out, you wanted to communicate with these people, but you were just talking about it. And there was no more reason for you to just talk about it. So the reason I I said the things to you about you have the tools, but you're just kind of stuck in this positivity loop You need to get that positivity out and you need to apply those principles of your new attitude into action, much like you're doing with your working out. You're going to the gym, you're taking, you know, steps, you're eating right, you're in that movement. movement. So that's all I was coming to you with, was like, yo, you know what you want to say, you know how to talk to people, let's get the next step going. Well, and that's that's why I say it pissed me off, I didn't say it made me mad, you know, it frustrated me, it scared me. And uh, having to do something. Because now made me realize people are fucking watching and people are waiting. You know, like whether they're waiting for you to fail or succeed, they're waiting for you to do fucking something. Otherwise, they're just going to get bored with you. <clears throat> and it was like, oh, man, you know, like I said, you, you started talking about you didn't even really start talking about your podcast. You just did it. And for me, as I was also saying uh, when we were on the phone before recording, you know, I was I was really insecure about all this this motivational stuff because I didn't believe myself. You know, like now a couple of years have gone by and I've really motivated a bunch of people and I've motivated myself to stay motivated and I constantly get the emails and the messages rolling in telling me how I'm helping. It's given me a lot of reinforcement, but like, you know, I I was very insecure and I didn't want to do things because I was afraid of the judgment. Because a couple of the seminars that I'd thrown in the past, I got some judgment, and people gave me shit, and they made me feel bad. And I didn't realize that just because I felt bad, that's not a good enough reason to stop. You know, like, that's probably a reason to keep going further. And I, that, that's why I appreciate the conversations like we had, because now I'm doing more. And, you know, I was at a hard point in my life, and I needed to hear shit like that, because... Diving into my podcast, diving into the gym, diving into work all over again made me work through my divorce and made me not focus every day on, oh, poor me. It was, oh, I've got this to do. I've got this to do. I've got this to do. And then I would get positive benefits from helping the people and what I was doing or just making money or just having a smile on my face. You know, so it's crazy uh, how doing and setting those small goals, like you said, I didn't even realize I started setting the small goals right around that time that we had that conversation. Because I realized I had to get to the gym. I had to start doing these fucking interviews. I had to start working more and marketing myself more and being more active in my own life. And 
it's really cool to hear you say all that stuff about goals and coming out of you know uh, out of addiction and and into sobriety and how it really just applies to everyday life, all of us. Like, because I I've never been a quote unquote addict to where I went to any programs, but I've always been a guy that really enjoyed drinking a whole lot, and I love attention. <laughs> yeah, going to going to a program doesn't make you an addict. Being an addict makes you an addict. Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, and I just use the the term sobriety from my own experience. But like, um, all of the uh, even like the twelve steps, I've always said, uh, really just apply to anybody. It's just self observation. It's uh, yeah. making atonement for your actions. It's processing those. It's making amends to the people that you harmed along the way. Um, you know, starting to better yourself and then trying to pass that forward. You want to make sure, though, that you're not jumping steps in your life, in my opinion, and going full full throttle in an attempt to help other people while you are still needing to repair yourself. That's sort of the distraction that I brought up and that I've watched people and myself um, fail in the past because of that attempt. It's like, oh, man, I learned, you know, two things out of ten, and I'm going to start teaching those two things. That's a huge problem. Like, that's a huge problem for people, because not only are you misdirecting the energy you need to spend on yourself long enough and thoroughly enough, but you're only, you're passing off partial information. You're teaching an incomplete truth or reality to somebody else. And that can be damaging, as we've all seen in the current climate misinformation or partial information and complete information can sometimes be more damaging than no information. Yeah. Um, so that would, that's, that's a big thing, man. Um, you know, I have friends that are professional, uh, therapists and counselors and life coaches and all of that. Um, and man, what a job, like what a job to do as a profession because yeah, personally gratifying and you're definitely doing something for your community and for the world, et cetera. But the level of responsibility of making sure that your house is clean before you start, you know, passing off onto other people mm. um, is huge. Because yeah. if you're a self-manipulator, um, then you are going to inadvertently pass off that self-manipulation in the tactics that you're explaining over to other people. And so you could perpetuate something much more damaging um, than you realize by not fully understanding and comprehending what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of the things, like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a consumer of, of knowledge of anything I can get my hands on, but I understand my level of comprehension of those things that I understand. Like, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll watch science documentaries and listen to Stephen Hawking and Neil deGrasse Tyson and all these guys all day long, and I realize I have, a, you know, a superficial elementary level understanding of what these guys are saying and talking about. I'm fascinated about it. I'll recite what my understanding of what I'm hearing is to other people, but I will never sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to educate you now on, on the cosmos and string theory and things like that because I, I know my limitations. Right, right. Um, so I, uh, I think it's important, man. I think always a teacher, always a student. Yeah, a very important expression so that you have the humility to understand what you don't know, but your willingness to pass on what you've learned is, uh, is extremely important and I think is what uh, one of the things you're uh, doing well and probably going to continue to excel at. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate that, man. You know, and I think that's part of the thing uh, where I got confused with, you know, procrastination and 
allowing things, you know, giving myself the information because that was was one of my biggest questions. Am I to the point where I can start talking to people about what I've learned? And I asked myself that over the years, you know, am I ready yet? Am I good enough as a human to start telling people how to live their lives and, you know, start just at least giving my perception of how to live life? And uh, it's getting to the point where it's like, okay, I feel comfortable saying this. So it's really cool hearing you say that again because I've, I've witnessed this happening in my own life. And as I get more self-aware, I believe I become less, self, less destructive in all, in all fashions. Because you know, um, one of the things you just said that was really interesting that um, I think is important is you said, have I learned enough to tell people how to live their lives? I don't feel you ever are um, in a position to tell somebody else how to live their life. I think what you, what you can do is you can tell them what you've experienced and how you've processed a similar thing that they're going through. And so you can say things like, and I always try and take this back, is to say, in my experience, what I would do, what I've done in your situation, or in a situation similar to yours. Yeah. And I feel if you do that, that not only kind of like keeps you out of a position that you might not fully understand all their dynamics, but it also puts it back on them to make their own decisions, which is extremely important, to make their own best choices based on the information they're consuming. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a really good way, and not only legally on the idea of like, uh, you know, it's like liable, not that you're ever going to actually be liable for that, right. but in the, the, the same note, that you're not saying this is the direction you need to absolutely take because then it doesn't fall completely back on you. You want to give examples, not necessarily direction at least that's what i try and do in my experience absolutely well yeah i mean i come from a from an italian household uh, with you know the other side we have we have a cuban italian household there was a lot of do what i say and that never i don't like that shit so i try not to do that to other people unfortunately because i came from that household that's what i learned and so now it's like okay let me stop saying that's what i learned and that's why i'm like that let me start. So it's it's interesting. You keep bringing up all these great things that like I am working on in my life, have been working on for years because I realize when I'm sitting there talking to somebody, I'm like, you need to do this. And you feel they're closing off. You see their body language change. You feel them get uncomfortable. You, you feel the, the conversation slipping. And then there's times where you will realize that and be like, wait a second, hold on. Let me rephrase this. In my opinion, and just like you said, you know, in my opinion, from my experience, based on this, then you give, you know, a story of what happened to you, and then all of a sudden they start to slip back into you. Then their body language changes back towards you, and they're listening again, and then you can really get to change and helping. And at that, now you're you're learning and growing with them. So it's like you said, oh, oh, once a teacher, oh, teacher, student, always, you're 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 still I'll be the teacher. I'll be the student. Yeah. yeah, I still I still try to be remain the student even while I'm in the teacher role because I've had apprentices teach me so much. My kid has taught me so much. Watching him grow and helping him learn and parenting him has just made me realize, holy shit, man, a teenager or a grown up, we're all the same thing. We're just learning and growing. And watching you uh, You hope to. <laughs> right like you kind of should right <laughs> so um speaking of childhood man you're uh, you're how old 
41. 41, okay. So, uh, where'd you, where'd you grow up? Where'd you live? Where'd you, where'd you go to school? Uh, I what? hail from Central Florida. Uh, <laughs> my family's, uh, been, um, uh, immigrants originally from Spain. The first, uh, the, the, the main lineage that we have on that side of the family is from Spain. Okay. And, um, then they married into Irish Italians. So, uh, in the 1850s, came over to the United States and then shortly thereafter migrated to Florida and got into agriculture business in the late 1800s and then um, kind of did that for the rest of uh, rest of the time up until the 1990s and that was when the farming in Florida kind of ended out. Uh, the citrus in Florida got killed out by a series of major freezes and different diseases and stuff like that. So uh, that was when we sold off our lands and stuff. But down there, um, I was from the Orlando area. Uh, raised by my great aunt and uh, lived with her kids. Uh, my mom was in the picture off and on. Um, didn't know my dad, but had an incredible uh, foundation with um, the side of my family that, that I was raised by. Um, I went to Christian schools. I went to, well, rep- uh, public and Christian schools. Um, uh, was raised up down there and then fell into the, the trappings that uh, a lot of, you know, conflicted youth goes through. Um, <laughs> life wasn't always perfect. There was a series of the, the times when I did not live with my great aunt that side of the family, and I would attempt to live with my uh, rather unstable mom and, and the new husband that she had found. Uh, he, uh, he and she had their own series of problems and issues, so there was a, a huge con- conflict there between the times I would live in the two households back and forth over my childhood and, and teenage years. And it would go from one polarized extreme to the other, you know, like as dramatic of an alter of uh, a switch as you could get. And it kept happening. So it created this really weird um, perception for myself on what life was like one minute. It could be this like idealistic kind of like everything you picture to have out of a family and like love and support and, and security, and then flip right back over into just then uh, into a uh, a world that I couldn't quite get my head around with uh, the trappings of of drugs and, and abuse and, and and all of those strange things um, that is pretty imperceptible to a child, and it set in motion uh, a conflict that it took me it took years to balance out, and something I still try and work through today, which was trying to put the events that happen to you in your life or around you in your life in a, in a realistic perspective. As a kid, you're very adapted to when a traumatic event takes place, you have to make sense of it. So a child will make sense of it nine times out of 10 self blame and lock that away. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the emotional and mental you know, immaturity you'll find in people uh, tends to come from that experience. Uh, and people don't really often understand that that's where it's coming from uh, in their in their adult life. That those immature reactions uh, to situations typically are triggered from a recognition or a similarity to something that took place in their youth. Um, and you know, they don't know why they blow up. They don't know why they freak out. They don't know why they cry. They don't know why they they react. Um, but it's typically a self defense mechanism. However you reacted to those situations as a child, did you 
did you ball up and cry? Did you throw your fist? Did you scream and yell? You know, that tends to, did you, you know, hide? Uh, did you run? What did you do? And that typically will follow you into how you uh, interact. So one of the ways I, I handled those situations is I, is I um, kind of fell inside myself. I would like retreat with inside myself, which once you find drugs and alcohol as a kid, if you've got reasons to, to hide or to run, you're like, holy shit, this stuff's amazing. <laughs> I that world and I got involved in it pretty heavily, pretty young and uh, found what a lot of people find in the in drug culture, um, or at least I found in drug culture, which was not only a sense of uh, escape and immediate pleasure, but by becoming a, a dealer and things like that, I found a sense of like purpose and, you know, quote unquote, respect from others, uh, which was obviously completely an illusion when you're when you're doing that, but it still at the time felt gratifying. So I jumped all in, uh, like you said, with the with the uh, just finding some something something that I I felt just as much as much and just as quick. Are you getting an echo there, dude? My phone just started doing some tweaky shit, and you started like you started a. Uh, Repeating yourself, and then the last word was quicker. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, all right. So, uh, yeah, so I jumped into that lifestyle as well. Um, I've been, always been an all-in all kind of guy. So I jumped into that world uh, in my, my late teens, and I, I rode that out until a series of arrests and uh, probations and programs and everything else all kind of came to a head, and I then found myself you know, facing another, like, five-year sentence or go to uh, Phoenix House, which was a two-year uh, drug rehabilitation deferment <laughs> to prison. So that was how I found myself there. And then I started taking the steps to learn and process and evaluate and figure out all the things, um, you know, recognize triggers, understand uh, motives, um understand reactions, all of that stuff, which was, help, was helpful. So I could process and have enough time away from all of my shit to get a larger perspective. And I still use those tools and those steps every day uh, as I succeed and as I fail and as I grow and as I regress because nothing ever stops happening. Like, like that's some shit taking place. So if you think that, like, there's going to be a time that all of a sudden everything is going to be great and there's not going to be any more issues. There isn't. Growth comes in the idea that as life continues to take place, you are able to process it faster, react quicker, um, step out of the way of <laughs> chain of trains that used to you know used to collide with head on, and just become more aware, constantly more aware of you and your environment and how you affect it and how it affects you and kind of learning to, you know, manipulate that situation in those spaces so that you're impacted less and you are benefiting others more. Or you just become a fucking wreck and just go, you know, go through life <laughs> smashing into things and tear everything down that you come across. Um, <laughs> We've been, I've been, choice. I've been there plenty of times. I think, dude, you've you've probably seen me do that at conventions. Sure. You know, uh, that was that's actually funny. I've I've I remember at the Tampa convention, Tattoo Fest, for how many years? 
I remember you would sit there and talk to Erica, and I would sit there running around with no shirt on, drunk, and being a dipshit with my friends and thinking, wow, I really hope Chris still has respect for me after this, because I know he's sober, and I know I'm, I'm a fucking retard when I drink too much. And uh, it's just funny having those, those thought processes in my head and how, how little of those experiences I have in my life anymore. And yeah. to the point where it's like, well, now I, I'm actually, actually not ashamed of myself anymore around people because I've learned how to be, just be and, and live good and happy and peaceful and in you control. Know, I... I never ju- I don't I don't judge anybody for what they do. I'm not straight edge, by the way. I'm just sober. Um, okay. If I was not, if I was not, if I didn't have the addiction levels I did, I would have I would have continued to drink and stuff. And I didn't stop at all because I I didn't think I couldn't drink. I stopped it because I felt tremendously I had taken so much uh, and done so much damage to others and contributed into so much negativity. And I felt like my scale was way out of line, and I was just perpetually in this internal prison, and sometimes a ruin. But I was always in this space where I felt um, incarcerated at some level. And my deal I made with the universe was if you can help me to find my way out of this this darkness, this abyss, this, this chaos inside my head that keeps leading down the same path, I will give up uh, drugs and alcohol, and I will that will be my sacrifice, right? Because I feel like I've done enough. I've taken more and experienced more um, than maybe I would have had in that amount of time. So that was just my deal. And that was one of the things I was like, none of this stuff has ever gained me anything. There's never been any true benefit to me doing these things. So let me just stop them. And so when I see people doing them, it doesn't bother me because I act like an idiot with or without, you know, drugs and alcohol. Uh, it doesn't affect me where I'm like, oh my God, I have no respect for that person because they're drunk. I feel like being around my friends when they're drunk sometimes. Like it can be funny and it can be light yeah. and it can be it can be easy. So I don't mind that. And um, uh, you know, I, so I'm kind of weird like that. Like I don't I don't need to. I like going to bars. I like being around things. Uh, there's a limit to anything that I'll be around, obviously, because you have to set your own parameters for yourself. Sure. Like I will not stay in a room where people are doing like hard narcotics or they can't get in my car or anything like that. Like I set up my own protection around me because that's responsible love and concern one of the first things you have to do when you decide you're going to take care of yourself or or, you know attempt to take care of the people around you is first take care of yourself it's the whole oxygen mask first in the airplane thing dude i feel you we see it every time we travel and people often don't understand it's um, severity. They, yes. It doesn't matter if it's your kid beside you. If you're not breathing, you're no good to them. Yep. So, yep. Um, I love that analogy, know. by the way. That's one of my favorites. And it usually, you can use that and get through to almost anyone at almost any point in time. I agree. It's, it's awesome. Life's full of those, man. There's always these great reminders um, around us all the time. It's just a matter of if you want to see them or not. You know, like, and this isn't for everybody. Like life, life, betterment, and fulfillment, and things like that are different for everybody. And it's not—it's not anybody's responsibility to make anybody want that. It's not like that. Yeah. It's like tattoos. It, tattoos yeah. are not for everybody. Not everybody should have one. And not everybody needs to pursue a better life. We are completely free to be whatever we deem as success. If you want to be. 
you know, money hungry or sex hungry or, you know, substance hungry or just like you really find joy in being an asshole piece of shit, it's completely on you to do that. And it's completely fine if you are. And that can be that can be a big release in life is to not try and like run around and make everybody have to feel the same way or like you know harp on them for not feeling the same way. Like, well, I believe I believe a, a large a large part of a, one of my failures in life, uh, one of the many failures that always teach us so much, was being that way. Uh, and it was funny. So I've never seen the Lego Movie, but I did uh, this. I did. You haven't. I thought you were saying you had seen it because it's awesome. I've never seen it. I, I should. Um, but I tattooed the, the little unicorn on somebody. Mm-hmm. And apparently, like, she's happy in rainbows and smiles until you don't, like, be happy in rainbows and smiles, and then she fucking blows up and wants to kill everybody. Yeah, she's a crazy bitch. It's awesome. I realized that's who I was for many years. I was like, I love you guys. Yeah, don't you want to be happy? You don't want to be happy? I'll fucking kill you! And it's like, oh, you can't be like that, man. So it's it's interesting. No, because you're just reflecting what you lack. Yes. reflection back at you. Absolutely. And now, instead of telling, for years, I've decided to stop doing that. And people tell me all the time, they're like, wow, you're so positive. I'm like, I'm really great. You see that. Because I still yeah. deal. You know, I still fight. But it's more it's more an internal battle anymore than it is, wow. Robbie's having one of his moments again. Fucking don't say the wrong thing around him. Or just leave him alone because he's scary right now, you know. It, it's so much better to just go through it on my own. And then let it out in the positive ways, you know, via conversation or meditation or the gym. or I, I like hallucinogens as a way to, to reset my brain. So, you know, it, it, it's different for everybody. Right. Yeah, it's funny you bring up hallucinogens because... Um... <clears throat> I don't obviously use them, but I had to have like an actual personal moral inventory as to why I don't, because they're not a narcotic, but it is still an escape. Okay. And my deal was that I won't use them anymore, but I'm like, son of a bitch, because now they have all this new exploration and they're finally doing studies on it and showing how it's like, it's actually positive for uh, PTSD and emotional therapy. And they're actually thinking that they're going to be able to use uh, there's actually evidence that they're going to be able to use, um, you know, hallucinogens, like mushrooms, etc., to uh, help rewire brain damage because it, you know, opens up the channels of neurons that flow in different currents and you know different perceptions, and the brain can be rewired. And they're actually finally now that they're able to study it because they weren't allowed to for so many decades, and they're they're starting to find out all of these these pretty amazing things about it. Well, but you can still accomplish the same things. Sure. Anybody has experienced through LSDs and shit like that because I used hallucinogens really heavy when I was a kid and young adult, and it's funny to hear these like things that they're learning about it now, or the you know they're having all these epiphanies in science and mental breakthroughs and stuff, and I'm like, dude, that's all that shit when I was 16, right? You know, like, stuff you already knew. <laughs> yeah, so you can fucking totally still accomplish those things through meditation. You know, Russell Brand's big on that where. You know, he also is sober, but, you know, extraordinarily loves the, uh, the LSD experience and stuff and how he is able to express those things through meditation and through uh, different avenues. Absolutely. A really good, a really good podcast to, to hear is the uh, Joe Rogan where right. he had Russell Brand on okay. the second time. He had him on twice. Okay. The second one where they really dive into that because Rogan's trying to tell him, like, look, man, it sounds like you really want to do these things, you know, because Rogan's like, 
Yeah, I love DMT. Oh man, so good. Yeah, I love I love listening to Rogan. You just said it, dude. The ones where you've broken a promise to yourself, bro. You gave me chills, you made me feel gross, and you made me feel like a winner. All with that comment. Because, like, I, we've all been there where you let, you break that promise to yourself. And then when you go back and reamend it, and it's like, wow. Wow, I can fix this. I really felt yeah, like I ruined everything. That's, that's another big point to that. Don't fucking think that just because you fuck it up, like, you can't start it all over. Like, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's easy to get caught in that loop too. It is. Well, that's that's a big problem. Um, that's a big problem in some directions of recovery. Like, there's some statements that I don't really like, where they're true but they're misrepresented and they're used as excuses. Like, relapse is a part of recovery. True, relapse is a part of recovery. And if you relapse once, you should not hate yourself and say fuck it and you know just give it all up and you know start blowing truckers for that. Like, you shouldn't do that. Well, if you do fucking do something and slip and, and relapse, uh-huh. it doesn't mean you can't just say, fuck, I caught myself and fix it. Where it becomes a problem with people, not only in recovery but in life, is where they go, ah, it's okay, it happened again. I'll catch it tomorrow. This yeah. is Catholicism where you can murder up until the last day of your life and then go, I like Jesus and you're saved and everything's fine and you go to heaven. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's not... That's just a bullshit out, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there becomes a part where you're no longer actually trying to do anything. You're just riding that fucking, I can I can just keep doing this forever dick and not actually taking a responsibility for yourself. Once, be, once your eyes are open, that's different. Like, you can be ignorant of something and repeat it over and over and over again. And that's not really... Okay. It's not the same as when you are fully enmeshed in knowledge on a subject and you choose to just keep fucking repeating the, the same thing. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. It's funny because, like, I've gone through this with myself many times when life gets just kind of annoyingly difficult and I'm dealing with some shit I just don't want to and I don't want to be a grown-up. I sit there and I'm in this place and it typically happens during meditation or like when I'm at the gym or something where it's like, fuck, I can't stop. Like there's, there's no way I can turn around at this point. Like I can't close my eyes to what I've already seen. And now I've got to continue being the version of myself that I'm trying to be rather than going back to being a loser again and self-proclaimed loser, you know, like what I deem as Robbie style loser activities. So it's like, fuck, you've got to keep going to the gym. You know, you, you can't drink all the fucking time. You know, you've, you've got to respect yourself and others. You, you can't just sit around and not work. you got to just 
you can't feel sorry for yourself. You gotta be, you gotta be on that path because you've started this path. And and there's times where I look at it and I'm like, God, I wish I didn't start this path. And then that other voice comes in and says, No, you don't wish you didn't start this path, man. Come on, keep moving. It's like okay, and then you keep moving. Right. You can uh, and should obviously. Uh, you stay the course, as I always like to say. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it's also important to know when you want to change your path, right? This is a, an interesting subject that I've experienced in my life and that um, I've watched people go through, right? So I have changed my entire course of life repeatedly um, from being a you know, self-proclaimed piece of shit to a uh, piercer with just a shop in, a, in an additional store, like a little uh, 10 by 10 space in somebody else's store, to owning my own parlor that's now like 17 years strong in, in Marion County, Florida, um, that I sold to my manager and who still runs and same name and all that stuff, stairs rooted, um, to all the other the businesses I went into, the endeavors I went into. And about every 10 years, I just completely change it. I just go, okay, I'm no longer a shop owner and piercer. Now I'm an entrepreneur and I'm going to figure out how to do a clothing brand. And then we built Steadfast up into a, a product and brand and an idea that, that circulated the globe. And we you know, had that worldwide distribution. And then that came to its end, to the same level which it was, which I was not going to just operate just the clothing brand anymore. So I merged it with Inc. Magazine took a new role in with that. Uh, the owner of Inc. and I had always been partners in different projects, and I was like, this is my next direction. This is where I take the lessons I learned doing tile, and then running a piercing shop, and then running a tattoo parlor, and then running a tattoo expo, and then having a brand, and then, you know, uh, doing the convention circuit worldwide, and doing the, the apparel uh, trade circuit worldwide and doing all of that and learning those things. I was like, cool, now I get to go over to this direction and apply what I know here and I get to become a new person again. And that to me is extremely important. For people that want to just do one thing their whole life and master it, tons of respect, huge amounts of respect for that. I think that amount of focus and attention to a detail is incredible. And it truly makes a, it truly makes the highest level uh, tradesperson in that field. If you do carpentry for 60 years, you're probably going to be badass at it at the end of that 60 years. It's pretty <laughs> phenomenal. You're going to accomplish a lot of goals. And that's amazing to me. Yeah. I'm too scatterbrained for that. I like to build something, make it manifest, and then either pass it off or transcend it to the next thing I want to do. I want to take the lessons I learned in each one of those things and go. I can't read one book over and over and over, or multiple books on one subject. I can read a few, and I can come back to it, and I can bounce around, but the point of that story is that I know people who are completely miserable in what they're doing right now, in the tattoo industry, in the business industry, the fashion industry, and in multiple fields. Like, you know, I got friends that sell insurance, and they're fucking miserable. And they are miserable because they want to do something else and they lack the courage and they lack the ability to just break, well, they, they, they perceive that they lack it 
the ability to just start something new because they got involved in something younger. They got a little bit of accolade. Accolades. They get some attention. They get some positive reinforcement for what they've done. So that's it. Now they've self-identified as a thing, as an object. I am this. It's no longer I am Chris, and I am just a person. You know, I'm this. I'm this orb with five senses traveling through this moment of existence. I'm a. I'm a biological coincidence. I could have been an amoeba in the nostril of a llama somewhere, but I happen to be Chris in, in you know, born in Florida. And I, I'm not willing to just go live that life to be that Chris. Now I've attached myself to this name, this thing. I'm this shop owner, I'm this piercer, I'm this tattooer, or whatever you are, right? And like, that's all I can be because that's where I get my, my reinforcement. That's yeah. where I get my acknowledgement. That's the identity I've created for myself. And they're scared to just go do something else. Again, to be clear, not everyone. There are fucking people who are hyper-focused and who love what they do, and they will do it forever. And if there weren't those specialists in the world, there would be nobody to pass on information. It is an extremely important person to have in the world. Extremely important. But not everybody is everybody. And that yeah. fear and that that intimidation to just go be the next thing is paralyzing. And it's unfortunate that more people don't realize that they, they took those experiences that they had in one field and they transcended over to other fields that they're interested in. They could bring a new color and a new dynamic to that industry or that field or that profession or that experience that has never been there before. And it would enrich it. When people do that and they transfer talents and skill sets and abilities into other areas, things are are more beautiful. They're more creative. They're more they're more interesting. So I really hope for that for people. That's like my big thing now for people um, is have that courage, man. Step away. Smash your fucking ego and go be nothing again. Just start over. I love it. I, it's so terrifying. Every time I've done it, I've done it four complete times now in my life. And it's, it's fascinating because and a good analogy is saying willingly take your Facebook page or your Instagram page or whatever social exp- expression you have out there and don't just talk about it, but actually like delete it and create a new one. Right from scratch. Now, there's no real need to do that. I'm just using this as, a, as an example. Yeah, right. Don't yeah, don't yeah. ruin your career. <laughs> as a don't ruin your career, guys. If you're listening, you know it must. Oh, m- I don't, and I don't <laughs> think it actually ruins career. I just right. leading me to be like Facebook's a bad thing or Instagram's a bad thing. No, Facebook and Instagram are a fucking choice. It's ridiculous. That's like saying your telephone's a bad thing. Yeah, it's totally ridiculous. You might handle it poorly. You might be consumed by it. But it in itself is nothing. Yeah, it's you're right. Thing like you're just saying weird shit. Um, but make sure you go on Facebook and tell put everybody on Facebook how you don't like Facebook. Right, um, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't like this well, restaurant. To do that intentionally and to restart from scratch with dozens of followers, not thousands or millions, but dozens, and put something up out there into the world and watch you only get a response or no response or no engagement to what you're starting, that's a huge 
hurdle for people. Yes. Um, and I just use the, the social media as an experience. I'm talking about your actual life. If you walk away from a field where you're known and accepted and you've got your, your accreditation, et cetera, et cetera, to just walk from that and go into the next thing seems super scary, seems really intimidating. But very quickly when you get over into that next space, you're going to do the same thing all over again. You're going to make new connections. You're going to transfer information. You're going to make. You're going to learn new things probably much quicker because you learn things in a, in a different field. So now you're more complex, and um, and it's good. So if that's something that you fear, I encourage people to just take that leap and be more creative and dynamic. Because there's nothing saying you can't come back to what you're originally doing either. Yep. Absolutely. So being paralyzed by fear to do the next thing is. To me, that's hell. Yeah. That to me, is living, and I, I hope people aren't offended by this, but to me, that's living at the cult and the cul-de-sac. Cul-de-sacs <laughs> terrify me. Because okay. I grew up, what's that? I, I just, I giggled and said, okay. Like, well, here's why. Well, I grew up uh, very fortunate in my, with the one side of my family in, in on land, right? There's lots of land around. Um, lived on lakes, there's a river, like, there was space. Like, you could go just be in space, be in nature. That's what they developed. I, had, I developed a huge appreciation for nature by living out there. Then, I lived in Kissimmee, Florida, which anybody listening, Kissimmee fucking sucks. Kissimmee is one giant, terrible, horrible neighborhood that doesn't actually have anything in it. It just sucks. You're it's so bad. You're so right. You're so right, man. You're so right. It's terrible. There's nothing there. I'm from Orlando. Orlando's cool. It's got areas. It's got pockets. You know, it's got winter park. It's got Thornton Park. It's got these like spaces you can go be in. Kissimmee don't got shit. It's, it's just got, weird. It's got highway running through the middle of it. It's yep. Disney. Yeah, exactly. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, dude, you remember? It's not a I lived in Melbourne for God knows how many years, and we didn't really go to Kissimmee because it wasn't really oh, much to do. And ain't much to do in Melbourne neither, but it's better than Kissimmee. So. <laughs> no, it is, man. Kissimmee is terrible. Um, so, uh, but I lived on a cul-de-sac there, so it became this representation to me of okay. terrain versus something, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. I feel like it's the dead end, you know? And I, to anybody listening who lives on a cul-de-sac, I get it. It's probably great. You got kids. It's safer. You feel like all these things. It's just for me. Um, and that's how I, I, I feel about not having the courage and the, the, the conviction to just say, fuck it, I'm going to go do this. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Wow, that's that's really interesting, uh, the cul-de-sac, what, what it brings up for you. You know, because there's so many things for so many people, triggers, you know, and it's interesting that a cul-de-sac is a trigger for you. It's, it's, a, it's a lack of progression trigger. That's interesting. It's an ending. It's not, it's, it's not, yeah, not only that, but it's a security that I didn't need. Like, if you yes. come from a, a fucked up inner city, you know, apartment, you know, where everything sucked and it was bad and blah, 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 a cul-de-sac in a neighborhood like that, I mean, that's picture-perfect American dream. You know what I mean? You might be like, holy fuck, I have a yard. I don't worry about my kids getting run over by crazy-ass people speeding down the highway. Like, I get it. Like, it could be that. I just happened to come from something that was really good into something that wasn't, and vice versa. If I had been, you know, flipped the other way around, I would have a different perspective of it. That's why I said, you know, no offense to anybody in your own personal experience. It's just an analogy that I can use. No, man, it's, it's, it's actually, it's been so refreshing and mind-blowing to hear your perspectives on things, because, uh, you know, as I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, he's a Florida boy, all right, he's got a Latin and Italian influence, 
uh, you know, fucking, uh, just a lot of your thought processes, you know, similar career fields and whatnot. Uh, the, the way you've, the way you've decided to, to restart over, dude, so many times I've given myself so much shame and guilt for wanting to start over and try something new. And like, this has been one of the, this has been one of those podcasts that I, I, I want to keep to myself, but like all these similarities we have and uh, all this, like you just keep hitting on all these great topics. Uh, and just, I love your thought processes. I love, I love how you operate. Um, the, I love, I love knowing that your success came from dedication and not a silver spoon. You know, it's, it's just cool to see that a regular guy can make extraordinarily thing extraordinary things happen, and even if he's in a situation that's less than positive from the start. So it's well, been, you know, and that's that's something for anybody listening to understand is that honestly, starting from starting from nothing uh, is is hugely advantageous. Okay, there is the, the the flip to that, which is like you know the starting from the silver spoon, um, where you have stuff. But you never really feel like you, you don't feel necessarily that you accomplished the things that you're given. You just kind of have them so you feel they're expected to you, you're entitled to them, etc. Not that everybody born into wealth or anything like that is a bad person by any fucking means. This whole bullshit that, you know, money is the root of all evil. No, people are the root of all evil. Like, that's not real. Sure. Um, I, know, I know some really bad poor people. Um, so right. That's not, <laughs> that's not always the case. Uh, but when you do have to start from absolutely having nothing, the advantage to it is that everything is up. Like the worst I ever came uh-huh. out was, you know, out of jail, literally the only things in my worldly possession were the things in the bag. I had lost everybody, completely detached from my family for years, which I'm very grateful to have back in my life, uh, completely detached from everybody, and walked out with, seriously with the clothes in the bag and the memory of some of the phone numbers, because back then you used to have to memorize phone numbers. Yes. And that was fucking it. Nothing. And when you start from that, it's great, because everything, you know, you can either go, fuck, I have nothing, and just collapse, or you can be like, man, if I, if tomorrow I have, you know, a pack of bubble gum, I had more than I had yesterday, and if I, you know, if yeah. I, you know, take a step down the road, you know, and go out for a walk, that was what I couldn't do when I was incarcerated. So it's a way uh-huh. to re, completely reset and wash away everything. It's like one of the things about the tattoo industry and making the mistakes I made was there was no hiding from any of it, right? So, like, I cannot hide, well, I never chose to hide, that I am a an ex-addict or recovering addict, however you prefer the terminology, a uh, convicted felon, and sleep the fuck out. Like, here you go. <laughs> you got this stuff from me from here. Everything we do going forward is is up to us. It's there an opportunity. You know what I mean? So I yeah. between us. So let's just fucking go. And with that kind of honesty and with that kind of openness about what I've done, who I am, and where I come from, uh, everything's just on the table. It's easy dealing. It's easy dealing with me because it's all right there. I tell anybody who meets me, man, like, like my girlfriend who's amazing and been with me for three years now, which is is a long relationship for me and I'm super happy to be in, is that don't dirt, dig for dirt with me because it's just there. Yeah. You don't, have to act, you don't have to wonder. You don't have to search for it. If yeah. there's ever anything somebody else could have done that would make you not be with them, I'm pretty close to have accomplished all of those goals. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, yeah, dude. I I have a very similar belief tra- belief transparency. Like, yeah. you're gonna find out what kind of fuck up I was. You're gonna find out what kind of bullshit I did. And the only way to not have that stuff bite me in the ass is tell you about it now and try not to do it later. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's simple. And then we have a great relationship because now we can look across the table the table at each other and know beyond a shadow of a doubt all the bullshit, all the 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 perceived lies all the possible issues we could have because of dishonesty is now out of the way all of your fears about my past or who i could possibly be are on the table and now we can communicate through whatever issues we have and it's it seems that it's the easiest way to love and have relationships and when I say love, I don't just and not having somebody. I mean, I think one of the huge reasons that I'm that my relationship with Taylor is so successful is because there was never any okay. Let's hear what you were like. Nothing. Like we were able to actually start from right at that moment. That's I mean, awesome. There's, there's random questions that'll come up in a relationship, but like you don't want to start with those. There shouldn't be like a precedent. There was never like. Uh, how many Dude, that's awesome, man. And honestly, uh, I love Taylor. She's she's been someone that I didn't know until you guys started dating. And man, the just the energy she brings and the vibe she brings and the human she is. I'm glad to see that she's become a part of your life. And every time we talk, dude, she's so rad, man. I lost my I lost my my voice in Baltimore, and I went over because I was right across from her and, and Aurora. Um, and I lost my voice real bad. So every time I came over there, like Saturday, Sunday, they were like, Oh, you can come over anytime you want. You sound like Olaf from frozen. So I would, I would come over and drop Olaf lines and make everybody smile and then giggle and then run away. So, (laughs) but dude, she is, man. And that's, that's the type of thing, like in your friendships and in relationships, man, like don't put fucking like, like, you know, crazy expectations on people to be what you need them to be like and, and all of that shit because it's all just setting you up. You know, one of the, the huge faults is trying to, like, make sure that in your relationships they understand what you mean and what you're saying and, you know, they need to see things in the way that you see them and they have to do this and they have to do that. But they don't have to do shit. They're just a person. Yep. Another biological coincidence of space and time just existing and trying to get through the next day in the best way possible and be the best person they can be like that's there's no prerequisite for what they know what they understand what they they process and the way you need them to process it um a big thing for me that's helped in like fighting like relationship fighting because everybody fights the same and the ones that don't kind of weird me out i don't know if i trust it right yeah it's like so what kind of sex do you have? Do you punch each other? Or, like, where do you get your, your frustrations out? No, like, fighting. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, like, if you don't... If you don't fight, like, what are you really doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're saying people that don't. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. 
Yeah, I don't get it. Like you got to you got to you got to work out the carbon sometimes, man. <laughs> Yeah. The things that you do and how far you take it, that's where all the levels come in. And one of the things I've tried to apply, which I've never really been good at, and I'm only starting to get good at now, is I look at an argument that I'm having and with her, uh, and I go, is this worth breaking up over? Ooh. Because if you're going to fight, then it should be for real, and it needs to be like, it needs to be really strong, moral conviction based. Like, I don't know if I can even be with this person anymore because they've done something so horrific. And then, if it is that, you still don't have to fight because you can just leave. Because if they did something that morally reprehensible to you, then you just need to go. Yeah. That settles that side of the fight. If it is worth breaking up over, leave. And if it's not worth breaking up over, stop fighting. Wow. Dude, that's like, it it goes back to one of my favorite little sayings. It's simple, not easy. Right. It's so simple. Life is going to be life. Yeah, so simple. Just, it's not easy to sit there and put your brain on a leash, and and be like, um, no, that's not okay. I can't do that. Like yesterday, my brain kept going crazy. wanted to fight. It wanted to pick fights with everyone in my head, and I was like, nope, you're not allowed to act like this. Straighten up. Everybody loves you. Cool down. And it did. And everything was cool. It's just, it's really weird how in your brain, what you can tell yourself can fix you. In those moments you know, of. You said something really interesting just then about everybody loves you. Um, and that so everything's okay. You know what else isn't okay? Hmm. No, they don't. Not everybody loves you. Not everybody likes you. Not well, everybody. The ones I was fighting you. with. The, fun, the ones I was fighting with in my head all loved me. But yes. No, no, no. no. I'm saying uh, another analogy that I came. Uh, that, I've, that I've been working through and that okay. brought me a lot of peace in life is that not everybody is that for you. Not everybody. It's meant to be that for you. And they don't, it doesn't matter. But we have this huge problem, and I will say we, all of us, but I know I do, that we give so much space to those who do so little for us. There's a great Will Smith quote about it. Um, mm. I pull it up while we're talking, but that, that becomes this thing. And I first observed it because there's one of the, the quotes from the book Illusions that I use every moment of my life to try and uh, process whenever I'm saying something that sounds insightful, that sounds enlightened, that sounds you know prophetic, is that you teach best that which you most need to learn. It's like my favorite quote. Yes. You teach best that which you most need to learn. So it may sound great that I'm saying these things and I've got these things and blah, 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 but it's all just from my own experience of doing them poorly or failing at them, and I need to learn it. So when I'm expressing it to somebody else, you know, they're like, thank you for telling me that. And I'm like, thank you for letting me say it to myself because yeah. I needed to remember it. Yeah. And that's one of the big ones, man, is this whole... Oh, let me pull it up. While you're pulling that up, it's it's funny that, that you say this, uh, you know, about you teach what you need to learn. And that's why I started I'm Rad because I was like, I need, I have a lot to learn. I don't know what I'm going to teach, but I know that I've helped myself by losing weight and by changing the way I think and live. So I'm going to start talking about that stuff. And then as I get the people that say, oh, thank you so much, I'm like, no, thank you so much, because now I know what I'm doing for me isn't just working for me, it's working for others. I've got good knowledge stored up there. Thanks for giving me that, that, that go-ahead to keep being the way I'm being, because this, is, this feels better than the way I used to be. And I like feeling better than the way I used to feel. Right. And that's great. And 
you know, that's that's the progression to go down. And only communicate with the ones that do that. We're so quick mm. to give this attention. This here it came up. Here's the okay. Stop letting people who do so little for you control so much of your mind, feelings, and emotions. Oof. And that's like so fucking real, man. We do this stuff all the time. I my first way that I expressed it to girls that modeled for us for Steadfast back in the day and now with Inkton, you know, is my girl and all this stuff, is these models would put up, and these are beautiful girls, right? They would put up a photo and it would get thousands, if not tens of thousands of likes, loves, all of this, all this positive attention. And then one miserable fuck is like, you're fucking gross. The only person that ever says anything outward like that to another human thinks of themselves as a vile piece of shit. So anybody on here listening and believes that you're not like this, remember that if you have ever bashed anybody for their choice and how they choose to express themselves physically, you inside are a disgusting, miserable piece of shit. And you need help. And I'm not saying this to make you feel worse about yourself. I'm saying this so that you understand that you are a miserable piece of shit because you are projecting that negativity out onto somebody else so that you temporarily feel better for the disgust that you feel internally. Absolutely. Um, so when I would tell this to these these models, I would be like, look, man, and this goes for artists or just anybody in any activity in your life, but specifically for these models, you are ignoring 10,000 people <laughs> that said you were awesome yeah. and paying attention to this one piece of shit that says you're bad. Yep. And that's so crazy, but those voices, man, it's like being a child. I can hear I love you a thousand times, but when I heard I hate you, that was the one that cut. Yep. And that, that carries over. That yep. carries over. I, you know, that comes with the positive uh, upbringing of children. If your children are, are, are raised in unconditional love and support, somebody telling them they're fucking ugly or worthless probably will just confuse them. They'll be like, man, why did they say that? I don't understand. But if you were told that shit by some horrible fucking parent not processing a fucking divorce well or just because they suck, um, <clears throat> then they need to understand that that impact is going to carry with them the rest of their lives. And so these models who are already, you know, like being a model is massively vulnerable. Like that's yes. a hugely vulnerable position to put yourself out there for the possibility of that, you know, ridicule and that, that, uh, observation and that critique is huge. I give models so much credit um, and space for their bravery. Like, it's not even a joke. But um, the flip side to that is that vulnerability and the ones that those negative statements impact are the ones who haven't processed um, you know, negative impacts in their, in their youth. But the lesson still carries over to everybody, which is like, why pay so much attention to those few people who we all know who they are. We all remember yep. that kid in the, the schoolyard. We all remember that one piece of shit that hit people to feel better or like to get attention or, you know, uh, called a girl a name so that they got that acclamation. The bullies, the whole, the whole bully concept. Yeah, know? yeah. Man. So. Wow, that's, it, it's so funny because I experienced that with the Ink Master stuff. You know, I watch, I watch everybody. I, we all experience it in some way, shape, or form. We all want to focus on the one thing that hurt, except ex, instead of the hundred things that are great. And it's really interesting that you bring that up and, and bring that to the model perspective because I've never even thought of models in that sense of, oh, poor them, they've got to, they've got to deal with this. You know, it's 
it's a it's a very different perspective, and I appreciate I appreciate hearing oh, that and seeing it that oh, way. It's huge, man! Like never never forget with a model. Like um, you know, uh, it's interesting. I have a podcast next week with uh, Big Jazz, you know, Brooklyn Jazz. Um, yeah, we, we're going to be talking, and one of the subjects we're going to be tapping into is the experience of you know different races, different ethnicities, different uh, genders, different sexualities, et cetera, et cetera, and, and how you know that life is, but. If you ever watch that video where the, the lady puts a, she's not even dressed provocatively, but she puts like a hidden camera on her and just walks through the streets of New York just for a day. And I mean, it's like every five seconds. She's either catcalled or whistled or something just flat out derogatory is said. Like, I don't think people comprehend at all what it's like to be a female. Attractive or stereo, you know, socially of the, under the cliches of, of society, unattractive. Yeah. There are burdens that fall on a female, it being a female, that are monumental. They get blown up, they get swept under the rug while other people claim their fucking pity parties. They don't compare to what they go through. And so models, I'm especially sensitive to models because I've watched it firsthand. And I've watched them be built up from it and destroyed from it. And, you know, people are like, well, you just have to do it. We're a society that appreciates the human form, wants the human form, pays for the human form. So don't say, oh, just don't be a model. Everybody needs models. Uh, you know, it, yeah, it's true. The society, yeah. People have been carving fucking human bodies out of anything they could get a, uh, their hands on for the dawn of time. So don't fucking minimalize them, what they are, and that they contribute to the beauty of the world. But holy fuck, give them some space. <laughs> they do. Yeah. They're just critique every moment of their life, model or not, even just being a female. It's like this massive critique. It's totally true, man. It's totally true. I've I've experienced it, uh, you know, just watching it, traveling with Emily Elgato for my season of Ink Master. Dude, me and her traveled a lot together. And that poor girl, I would just watch her. Some days it would just be like, wow, they don't even realize you're an artist. They just want the pretty girl that was bitchy on TV to tattoo them. And it's really it's oh it's just it's so awkward the way that the way that people will treat a female tattooer just because she has different parts in her pants than they do. And, and just But it's but but to be fair, that's also I mean, in the business aspect, that's also at times a huge benefit. It can be. But let's not forget that there are some talents there are some extraordinarily talented, beautiful tattooers out there, and then there are some that are not necessarily talented at all, but are know how to work their their physique and their character and definitely profit from that as well. Absolutely. But like you said, it still comes with a bag of bullshit. You know, oh, yeah, like absolutely. Absolutely. Just now, being a woman comes know, with that. Everybody has a bag of bullshit. That's true. This whole illusion that there's one group of people that don't have bullshit, that's also a fucking myth. I don't give a fuck if you're a straight white male. I don't give a fuck if you're, you know, an uh, Asian Harvard graduate. Everybody has their own shit that they go through that the other side don't fully comprehend. And that's the other side of it, is like understanding that everybody is going through their own experience. And everybody has demons. Everybody has challenges. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy to say that, you know, the, the, you know, the uh, straight white male has this, that, and the other. Try them being in, say a bunch of Ivy Leaguers. Say you have 10 rich kid Ivy Leaguers. Those 
all at the same school. Those ten kids are, believe me, going through their same fucking horrors, their same social stigmas, their same placement in the world. Where are they going to be? Where are they not going to be? Are they going to succeed? Their bar has been set so high in front of them that it's often unattainable. And those people often fall into addictions and suicide and everything else because just like believing that somebody's got it better for you, better than you, and they don't go through anything, will never have you truly appreciate the human experience and what every single person goes through. You know what I mean? Some yeah. of the greatest geniuses that ever existed considered themselves stupid and had self-hate. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Well, I mean, it's... That's just, that's just human. It's all... And it, what do they say? Um, people that are doing great things in history often don't realize they've done it until after the fact. Exactly. It's all about your perception. Their drive and their motivations, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Dude, Chris, I could fucking talk to you for days, man. This is like this has honestly been one of the most comprehensive and I would say to the letter motivational podcasts I've ever done. Uh, I appreciate your insight and your knowledge so fucking much, man. Um, but I think we have to save some of this for me being on your show and for my next time having you on my show. Cause, dude, okay. I I've I've fucking thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. At this point in time, I'm gonna wrap it up. Uh, I wanna I wanna start my wrap up by just uh, acknowledging you as a human for being the entrepreneur you've been, fighting the fight you fought, and uh, being in being the victor of your own battles even when you failed. Because, dude, you have no idea how much that type of shit does for guys like me and girls like me and, you know, other gender-fluid humans like us. <laughs> but, dude, like, really, man, you just you just bring something to the table of, of this, like, raw straightforwardness and this, you come from, you came from the ashes, you've risen as a phoenix, you've burnt out and risen again over and over again. And just being that human and just showing your, your strong persevering spirit and and your convictions that you hold and your loyalty to yourself man that shit is impressive so please if anything you keep doing keep doing what you've been doing you're amazing um no worries dude thank you for being you uh this is this is where i give people a a moment to kind of have a jerry springer final thought moment and uh then go ahead and just kind of whore yourself out, uh, you know, your social medias, your, you know, anything that you want to, uh, you know, market for yourself, for people to go and check out. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, uh, you know, like I've discussed, uh, with the, you can find a lot of my works uh, tied in at steadfastbrand.com, inkmag.com, inkshop.com, and then uh, my current projects, uh, uh, ismygirl.com, literally just ismygirl.com and then my podcast is The Other Side of the Tattoo which is T-O-S-O-T-T dot com toss it dot com and on Instagram and Facebook that's just toss it podcast T-O-S-O-T-T podcast you can search around and find it and all that good stuff cool, um, got cool. great, great uh, interviews on there many more coming um, uh, Robbie one day Hell yeah. Probably not too long from now, I'll be over there as well. Uh, probably do a group session one. I'm looking to do some more uh, multi-people on there, so I hope to have you over there soon, brother. Yeah, dude, definitely. And uh, just kind of just drop a little bit to somebody who's listening. If they need to hear something that you could have heard, 
when you needed to hear something when you needed to hear something um, just that uh, you know it, it, this idea that one day things will get better and one day things will will change for me and one day things will will do this and one will do that that's uh, it's a huge block you can start those things at any moment you can you're aware the moment you're aware. So if you know that there's something you want different, you know there's something you want changed, you are aware that you are living in a space in yourself and in your mind that you don't want to be at, this exact moment is the only moment. Like there is, you're speaking about an illusion. You know, yesterday is a memory and tomorrow is a dream. This is the only reality that we experience presently, this moment. And if you're not doing anything this moment, then you're not, you're not moving. You, there is no coming. There is no day uh, around the corner. There is no, it's going to get better. It's right this second. And the first step is in your mind, being saying that I am no longer accepting what I am in at this moment. And the very first step I need to take is one forward. Even if that's getting with somebody else and telling that person, I now need to change this. And making sure it's the type of people that are going to help you get there. Not, you know, uh, repeating it to somebody else that's a part of the problem with you. That things have to change. That doesn't do anything. You've got to step out. You've got to make it happen. First in your mind, then in an action. And if you don't do something every day that sets that up, if you're in a space you need to leave, you need to find your options. And that's searching them out. If it's extraordinarily dangerous, there's channels for that. There's avenues for that. There are centers and helplines and anonymous ways to get you out of those situations. If it's simply that you're dissatisfied with what you've accomplished so far and you need to set up a new goal, make one. I didn't know how to run a, I didn't know how to start and run and operate a tattoo parlor. I didn't know how to start and run a, a clothing company. I was like, I, I asked. I went and found people that did it. And I was like, hey, this is me. I want to do this. Um, I'd appreciate any insight from you. I want to do it right. And you're the forebearer of it. You, you've done this. You've set the examples for me. And that worked every time because I was honest. I, I literally went around to everybody in my county that I moved to and said, this is my name. I want to open a shop here. It's at this address. I wanted to come meet you because I feel like that's what I need to do and let you know that I, I want to do this and this is the space. I made sure it wasn't on top of anybody. And I actually went around to everybody and said those things. So everybody in the county was fine with it. They all talked to me. They all showed up at my opening, all except for one shop. When it came to the, te- the clothing industry, I knew I wanted to do it. And I was like, okay, where do they have clothing industry conventions? I Googled it. It said Las Vegas. The magic show was the biggest one. So we bought tickets and we went there and we just walked around with a bag collecting information went up to brands that were similar in what I wanted to be, you know, street and, and, and um, art-based, and just met them. And it was the guys at Sailor Jerry, and it was the guys at Rocksteady, and it was, you know, the, the dudes like uh, Bobby from Tribal and shit like that, where I was like, dude, this is what I want to do, this is my name, this is my idea. Aurora and I went and literally met and shook all of their hands, and they opened themselves up. They gave us their cell phone numbers, they helped us, they gave us direction, they, they, they're my friends today. And that's all you got to do, man. If there's something you want to go do and you really want to be passionate about it, get it in your head that you're going to do it. Search up the information on it. And then most importantly, just find people that have done it. Oh, be open. People want to talk to you. People yes. want to share what they've done. They want to tell you what they've done. People are not, they don't want to hold it in. They don't want to keep it. And the few that are like that, fuck them. Go yeah. on to the next. There's a million people. 
Yeah. Just don't do it. And that's it, man. You just got to get up and fucking go. But if you don't do it today, there was no reason you didn't. There was literally no reason other than you. Argue for your limitations, and sure enough, they're yours. That is one of the most important quotes I've ever read in my life. Argue for your limitations, and sure enough, they're yours. Fuck. I know you can get up and walk across the room. You, Everybody else in the room knows you can get up and walk across the room. But if you don't fucking believe it, you will not do it. I can drag, kick, push, shove you over there, which a lot of people do in codependency, but it doesn't do anything because you didn't do it. So no, stop arguing right. for your limitations and get up. Damn, dude. Fuck. Man, success leaves clues. <laughs> that, that I keep hearing that in my head every time I hear you talk. And, uh, <laughs> dude, like... Fuck, thank you so much. The knowledge you've dropped, the insight you've dropped, your perspective is amazing. Um, I, I've learned so much just by listening to you talk. I, I need to go back and re-listen to this over and over again. Like As we were talking, I'm thinking of all my friends and loved ones. I'm like, oh my God, you guys need to hear this one. This one's great. So, dude, thank you. Thank you once again. I look forward to being on yours. Uh, and uh, guys listening, uh, just listen to what Chris said. Go fucking do shit. <laughs> you, you're standing in your own way so don't uh, what was it argue for your limitations and sure enough they're yours ah that keep saying that over and over to your head guys it'll make sense sooner or later I trust trust me um, <laughs> everyone have a great fucking Monday I appreciate you for joining us on Monday Motivation Chris Collins I appreciate you for being here you're amazing and uh, thank you very much and guys I will talk to you next week later all